Hey there. Today's episode, I got to sit down with Michaela, who's created a band called Future Womb. They're debuting a second single today on March 15th, available on Apple and Spotify and all those awesome services, and their full album drop is going to be April 19th. We get to sit down about how she starts off in karaoke, of all things, has this amazing brother that encourages her to be in music, how they come together, her creative process, heck, uh, everything from gender roles to just the creation of music, musical theater. It's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. If you can, subscribe, give us a rating, maybe a review, send us some feedback. We'd love to understand how we're doing, whether these have been uh, interesting, enjoyable, and part of your day-to-day routine, and if not, how they can be. And uh, without any further, further ado, um, here's Future Room. Our amazing intro music is from a band called Thomas Thomas, a local group that gave me the honor of utilizing one of their new singles, Gracious Host, um, to be part of our podcast regime. Uh, they've got a new album coming out very shortly. Check them out on the local music scene. And thank you, Thomas Thomas, for uh, being part of the Perspectives adventure. So number one, uh, how do I pronounce your name? Is it Michaela? Yeah. Okay. Michaela Cocker. Okay. Hi, Michaela. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, we're here at the Perspectives Podcast at Media Lab to chat with Michaela, who's uh, a singer, songwriter, performer. I saw you on a cover of a magazine. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, usually what I like to do is ask people how we met. Uh and I don't remember, but we had coffee. So I'm trying to remember how did that happen? I think, I feel like someone shared an article or a photo or something to do with perspectives. And then I clicked all the hyperlinks and found my way to you. And I think, I think I followed you on Instagram or something. And sent, did I send you a message or did you send me a message? I, it was Instagram. Yeah, it was definitely In Instagram. In some way or another, it was Instagram. I was thinking originally it was Matt Mort, but I uh, I think it's not Matt. Matt, you don't get too much credit, so it's, it's not Matt. <laughs> it's definitely not Matt Mort. That will be clear on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it was the Instagram story I had a little while. I was actually shouting out for musicians to... Uh. Maybe Actually, someone probably tagged me. Yeah, probably. That's, uh, that's how I met um, Connor from uh, Handmade. Oh. And uh, you both messaged me because I think I was I, like, kind of, we were talking about just before this recording. Uh, mm-hmm. I was looking for a musician to give me music both for the podcast and to be my first musical guest. Uh, I think Kyle and I hadn't even recorded uh, one podcast at the time. I think it was all, I hate to use planning because I don't plan, but. Uh, <laughs> It was the beginning stages for sure. Um, that might have been it. Yeah, maybe. And then we decided to coffee. It was like the summer. I, yeah. I feel like it was warm. It was definitely warm. Yeah, it wasn't this I didn't get shit. a coffee. I got a juice because uh, it was uh, sweaty. Yeah. So <laughs> I do remember this. And then uh, we had a great chat. I think, how long were we there for? Like A while. Like at least an hour. Yeah, you gave me advice about everything. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> Was it solicited or unsolicited? Uh, it was uh, <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. Oh no! <laughs> uh, no, it was great. It was. Um, I thought we were. I thought we were meeting about music, and you taught me about grants. Oh yeah, I was in grant mode. Yeah, and uh, oh, no. there was some bitterness there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Telling me that it was, that you're miserable doing it. Mm-hmm. You gave me the advice that I had to do the first one myself before I hired a grant writer. Oh yeah, that's I'm sure that's advice someone gave me since it was my first grant and I didn't know any better. But <laughs> how did that turn out? Um, I did not get the grant. Okay. Um, but 
writing that grant and having to go through that process of like creating a timeline and a budget, if I hadn't done that, I would feel so overwhelmed right now in the point in time where I'm actually having to like do all these things. Because I can't even tell you how many times I've been like, there's so much I have to do that I'm like paralyzed by the amount of choices. And so I would just like take out my grant, even though I don't have the budget to do most of the things I had planned. I still am like, okay, what is like the core theme of this period of time that I had like blocked out? And then look at it and be like, okay, that's that's what I'll focus on because that's what I'm the most behind on in this moment. So it was really helpful. I like having some sort of external structure, even if that external structure is something I wrote. <laughs> well, I like that. I'm learning again from you. This idea of a grant that it's not like you didn't get it and it gets thrown to garbage. It's still a project that you are invested in as an yeah. artist. A couple of things. I mean, I'm I'm trying to learn to study Zen Buddhism amongst all of the weird things that I'm going through. And one of the thoughts I had last night, um, I think I was putting Emerson to bed. Sometimes, you know, these happen in random places. I was taking a shower, taking a shit. But yesterday <laughs> it was uh, putting Emerson to sleep. Uh, and I thought instead of the word try and instead of the word fail, I'm going to start using the verb work. So that mm. everything that I do becomes a part of a work structure and becomes positive. So I worked on a grant and, you know, did you get it? Well, I worked on it. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have to be that fail structure, that mm-hmm. negativity. But now you're giving me this insight. It's fascinating that it's not like I, I have this thought, like I'm going to write, I'm going to try to write a grant. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write this thing. And uh, if, when I don't get it, then it's over. Like, you know, fuck that. But that's not. Mm-hmm really what it is at all no and that's that's kind of what i felt myself as well when i first got it i was like great uh, when i first received the rejection i mean i was like oh oh no i spent like two months of my life on this thing and i didn't get the the goal and then my gut reaction is like failed but then yeah as time wore on and that stopped being like the the failure wasn't the most recent thing that had happened but i'd moved on to just being like okay What's my next plan? How do I get this done if I don't have this original budget I had in mind? And it actually, yeah, it was freeing. Didn't have to stick to what I said I wanted to do like three months ago kind of thing. <laughs> Becomes part of the growth. Yeah. Which I like. Uh, are, do you feel open about talking about what you wrote a grant about? Or is it a secret project? It's not a secret. It's, uh, <laughs> it was for, the, for marketing and promotion for the album, uh, Baby Girl Galactic. And originally, I had some pretty lofty goals. I only say that. Taking over the world. Basically, I was like, I will be Billboard Top 20 or something. (laughs) It's like, how do I do the ultimate? Like, how do I become Gaga in three months? I was just thinking Gaga. If you're not going to be Gaga, what the fuck's the point? I mean, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) No, no, that's not true. Um, But I, I wanted to be able to basically have enough money to pay to have a, a team uh so like a a pr person um and just to basically outsource as many of the elements as possible um which is like its own luxury i'm sure but i i am in retrospect grateful for the experience and learning how all these different roles as part of marketing and promo actually work because then in the future if i am going to be collaborating with someone i'm not just like handing over complete control and I can be a collaborator and not just a person with a checkbook. Kind of like how I keep begging you for a track from my podcast and you're like, <laughs> I don't know. I have to research it more. I like that. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I yeah, I like to I like to know as much as possible about the industry that I'm in, including the parts that aren't necessarily my my job. Well so, yeah, like I can I, stay in my lane sometimes, but I like to know what all the other lanes are about. <laughs> Well, let's, I mean, let's use that as a segue. You know, you're talking about an album, a release. You're talking about, well, I'm bringing up Gaga, I think. But um, <laughs> uh, tell me about your music. Uh, right now, it's Future Womb. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we could talk about that band. But mm-hmm. it sounded like when we first met that you had a different uh, project prior to that. Uh, I can't remember if you talked, or maybe that was... Um, like I haven't had a different, different project before Future oh, okay, Womb. Okay. Um, I've been writing music for Not a cool. really, really long time. Um, just on my own, but Future Room is definitely my first like proper 
banned or there's other people who know about it. <laughs> it's not a secret. Well, okay, so let's start with that. I mean, well, what is uh, secret music writing <laughs> and how how did that come out? I mean, is that like since you're a kid kid? Is that formal training? Is that like this emo thing where you're just crying in a corner with the guitar? Uh, so far, every single one of these things. Yes. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wicked. So, yeah, I mean, if you don't mind sharing, let me tell me about a little uh, bit uh, where this comes from. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's see, I'm trying to think of like my earliest music writing memory. I I had a karaoke machine that my parents got me as a kid, which was Sweet. super rad. Um, and it basically I would stay in my room all day, and it had like a cassette recording element on it so i could just record myself singing and i thought i was like pretty good like <laughs> i did a a really good nasally um britney spears impression that i would show people and then i was, about to I ask, was like, like it's my pop voice was, and uh, so like, who's who are who are your karaoke icons oh it was it was a lot of uh britney spears christina million uh oh, madonna nice. i also would do I, like, I, I didn't know who any of the bands, like, what the songs actually sounded like. I only knew what the, oh, the karaoke, karaoke track sounded. Oh, so there was a couple of the songs that I really, really loved. And then I would hear them and I'd be like, that's not how it goes. Because <laughs> there was never a guiding track. So and I would just make it up. So there is, um, what's this the one song? It's Been a While by, I want to say Stained. But now I'm not confident. It's like... It's been a while. Oh yeah, since I could. Except it's like with like a karaoke. Dun, 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 dun. It like was a, like yeah, like a mini track. That's yeah, fucking awesome. Yeah. Except for I thought it was like it's been a while, and so when I heard it on the radio, I was like, ew, <laughs> <laughs> this version sucks. Um, so some early song, song rewriting, collaborating with. Speaking of ocean, we'll we'll bleed out that it was sustained because we don't want him coming after us. Oh, yeah, they've wow. got money. Oh, no, they probably they don't. Do? No. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> no, do. All right, keep going, keep going. Karaoke's um, great. But yeah, so I had this this karaoke machine, and I would record for the most part just singing karaoke tracks, but then eventually it did lead to me singing like little quiet acapella versions of my own songs. Um, and so I have a couple of those cassettes still. Sweet. And it's so precious. And well, those are going to be collector's items one day. They're... It's like the most beautiful, honest thing hearing like a, a child who never thinks anyone's going to hear just like, oh, oh, it's so cute. I like I realize it's me and this is also narcissistic, but I, I was just like, oh, who is this beautiful creature? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the artist is, uh, what is it? Self-deprecating egoist or whatever. Like mm. we, egomaniac, mm. like we have to believe in ourselves enough to want to tell people and to then sell we that idea yeah hate everything that we do because <laughs> otherwise oh, we relatable wouldn't. yeah <laughs> okay okay so i mean the other thing that comes to mind in that one anecdote is uh you still have a fucking cassette player um i actually don't have a cassette player my brother does oh, cool. um my brother taylor he produced the album and then when i was over i like brought some of the cassettes and we like listened to them oh that's so cool and it was I'll we'll talk after. I, I I met my wife essentially, and I made her a mixtape, and we framed it eventually. But uh, the thought that uh, yeah, I could coerce your brother into allowing us to listen to it one more time. I'm oh. I'm pretty sure there's everything from like like DJ Shadow to like trance music. To oh like, yeah, it's just weird. Okay, okay, uh, that's you can go going to too village. far on my side. Get a cassette player. <laughs> They're everywhere. Cassettes are back. <laughs> cassette players like exist. Oh yeah. I thought. Okay. All right. There's like a there's like a little I, I'm calling it a cassette renaissance because I've heard about like the vinyl renaissance, you know? Like, yeah. Like it goes like vinyl never dies. It just goes it goes through continual continual surges of popularity and especially in like music groups and cassettes have like it seems like a similar thing going huh. where cassettes are like so hot right now. And originally I think a lot of that draw was because cassettes are cheaper to print and produce but because they're getting more popular they're getting less cheap mm. supply and demand like vinyl uh yeah exactly yeah. so it's it's just like these variety of mediums with their own specific kind of cult followings and specific sound and so yeah you're like a mentor to me because <laughs> interesting i can get a cassette player uh any formal training at this point um, or is it all karaoke 
<laughs> I guess, okay, I think this is considered formal. Like, I had, like, piano lessons okay. as a kid. I was in band and jazz band playing alto saxophone okay. in junior high only. I was too busy in high school. Um, but I took uh, vocal lessons pretty much uh, from, I want to say, grade four to grade 10 or 11. Oh, damn. Is that... Uh... You as a cute kid demanding your parents that you need to be the next Britney or like they... Yeah, I basically... That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to be uh, in musical theater. So most of oh. my... I think I saw... I honestly think it was Cats. That was <laughs> the first one. I'm like looking out the window and, and Kyle's like... He's freaking out because he's a musical theater nerd. Oh, nice. And he's like... He, yes. he, you just won his heart. Oh, good. <laughs> I aim to do that as often as possible. <laughs> uh, okay, so... <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to focus on karaoke because that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> vocal training. And your brother is older, younger? Uh, he's three years older. Older. Okay. And he also had his own karaoke machine and praying? Uh, no. Damn it. No. It was uh, all me. So, he had he had more instruments. Okay. I had I focused on vocals. He, is, he had like guitar and I think he played like, he also was in band. He played it like every instrument. He just kept switching. He played oboe at one point. He was like a trumpeter, he was a trombone, and oh, just dead. everything. Just everything. Just I was going to make a joke all. about him actually knowing who Stained was, but it, like he actually listened to jazz music and stuff, so maybe not. Oh, well, no. He, I'm sure he listened to it all. I don't know. We, we were in our own worlds at that age. Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> but, so that's pretty cool. So uh, as you're growing, mm-hmm. um, how does that focus into what you're doing now? Where, where's the transition from karaoke um, <laughs> which is awesome uh into forming not just a band and music but like you're you're throwing you're going all in yeah oh man what is that transition it was a slow one <laughs> that's for sure um i mean so i guess like the karaoke age <laughs> of michaela was just fully focused on vocals and like at like prop like Good pitch, just being on key and that, like it was just technique, I Scor- guess. Scoring 100. Just no. trying to mimic the greats or learn how to be a pop star. That was the karaoke age, um, which was just fun and indulgent and playful and just for me. And then I I guess, I don't know how many years, like a decade of, of just being a singer who just only sings for themselves. I wasn't really like... You weren't performing at like venues? Okay. No, like I, I think I did a couple like recitals where it was like I have a I had a video of one recital. That I, I don't know if it was Kiwanis, but it was like something something like that where there was prizes. And so being who I am, I was like, if I don't win first place, my first time ever competing in my life, I'm a failure. So <laughs> there's this video of this performance, it's Castle on a Cloud from Les Mis. Cal's <laughs> freaking out. He's like, Castle Cloud, that's uh, Les Mis used to be one of my favorites. Oh, let's let's I move love on. Les Mis. Yeah. Um, and it's there. You can just see my eyes darting around, looking at everyone in the room. And then there's there's like a ceiling of chandeliers and mirrors because it's like this fancy hotel lobby reception whatever room and i'm just looking like wildly at all these chandeliers oh, no. and i didn't fun extra part of this anecdote we don't need but uh, i <laughs> showed this video to my fourth grade class oh no um you used and, to be a teacher pardon oh like you were in fourth grade oh, when i was when okay I was, like, okay okay yeah I was, like, I was thinking when you're doing this when you're like oh no in your no, like, I, mid-20s I, or something because that's made hilarious mistake as a child okay okay uh, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and I I just was like I have a really good vocal performance I'll show it to this class but didn't realize my mom zooms in in this video and the whole class just like laughed at me oh, and looking no. so anxious and then I just was like I will never ever sing again <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure everyone laughing just was like lol she looks awkward let's laugh we're uncomfortable but in my world I was like everyone hates me I did not win at a medal who am I <laughs> um, so didn't really do a whole lot of performing after that, save for an occasional like drunken karaoke as an adult, full circle. So, <laughs> but then no, I, I I just was a a loving member of the music scene from the age that I could get in 
to bars and before that for all ages shows. But for the most part, I was like, I love music. I love singing along to other people's music, but wasn't ready to take that leap. Um, so just was a, a scene member for like almost a, a decade until eventually I just was going through enough stuff in life that I needed a writing outlet. Um, turned out that writing outlet was songs. It just evolved, evolved. Eventually, I had about an album's worth. My brother asked if I wanted to record it. I was hesitant, and I think he said something along the lines of, like, just so you know, if you say no to this, you're an idiot. <laughs> some, some way that I think is maybe slightly gentler, but basically had that uh, statement in it. And so... I was like, okay. And then I was like, well, if I have these songs, I'm going to have to get like a band to work out these other parts. And and it just kind of evolved from there. My first thought is, uh, what a great brother. I know. I, so uh, good. I was a shitty one for a long time. <laughs> I'm trying to be better now, but the idea in retrospect of like looking at my brother, I mean, later in life I told, he draws amazing stick figure uh, drawings. Mm -hmm. They're like... I want I, photo real, real is a weird word to use for stick figures, but like he draws oh. fantastic stick figures. And so I, at one point, I think 15 years ago, I tried to encourage him to like become a cartoonist and sell them on shirts. Um, but at your age, I'm presuming like twenties. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was not that nice. That's so that's really cool. Um, <laughs> and the second thing is, yeah. I mean, as we get into the story of how future womb, is created I, my one thought is like is this all calgary that everything's happening here yes okay cool yeah for the i mean like my story i traveled at one point which was cool but like <laughs> i've never lived anywhere else yeah, yeah. <laughs> really okay so the uh, as we get into the future room story maybe we could have the perspective like what's the calgary music scene like as you're entering it and like you know, is it one that's welcoming to mm -hmm. Future Womb or is there like, yeah, what's that experience yeah. like as you're building that? Who are the band members? Are they friends? Are they? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, I guess like first off, I recently learned that I've really up until quite recently just existed in, in one pocket mm -hmm. of the music scene. Didn't realize there was more. Uh, <laughs> and now my mind is blown. Um, but most of my experience is within just this one pocket that I've always kind of existed within. I was really lucky having an older brother who just ventured earlier than me, just by nature of being of the age to go to bars earlier than me. Um, so he was already established in the music scene when I was even able to go to his shows. Um, and I always got to go to shows kind of knowing people. So I had this, I think, probably pretty unique advantage of feeling like I belonged kind of right off the bat. Um, but it was always belonging by association. Um, and so I either was Taylor's little sister and then um, later on was dating uh, someone in the music scene. And so it was like that person's girlfriend. It was never just like Michaela, or at least that's what I thought would be the case. Do you, do you think that's, I mean, not to play this card too heavily but do you think that's a younger sibling thing or do you think that's like a, a female experience uh yeah i think that definitely the female element is pretty strong i know that for anyone who doesn't i guess probably identify as a, a cis male the music scene isn't wasn't i don't know created for them or it feels that way or i don't know i guess i can only speak to my own experience but it definitely felt like I was an outsider in one way or another mm. on something that wasn't within my control. And do you think, like, speaking about pockets, is that, do you think that's the pockets you're in? Or do you feel, I mean, again, not to character, mischaracterize the city entirely from uh, one experience, but it is interesting to me. Yeah, it's like, you're this, you know, you create a future room, this lead singer. Yeah, like, what is that like as a female? I don't know. Is it, is, I don't is know. It okay? I guess is I've, only, I've only ever experienced all of this as like a, a cis woman. So I've never had the, hmm. the experience of having it not in that way. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, there have been like 
small moments where it's quite clear that someone just assumes I'm at the show as someone's date. Yeah. Um, and then when they find out I'm performing, they're always like pleasantly surprised, which is has that like mixed feeling of being like, yeah, right. I am cool. And also being like, oh, like <laughs> that sucks that you just assumed otherwise. Um, but like, I, I guess I, okay, I have a, an anecdote that explains this. Uh, <laughs> there is, and it's like, none of this is ever me being like, screw you guys, do better. But I will, I mean, a little bit. Um, but the, it's just, it's just an example. Take with you will. Um, there's one time I was at a show and I was like newish to performing. So I just was like really wanting to reintroduce myself as that type of person because I was proud of myself and excited and wanting to make new friends and build new relationships with people. Um, and I was standing in a circle of a bunch of my buds, all of which were dudes. And then another group of dudes joined this little circle and everyone was like meeting each other and introducing themselves to each other. And I just couldn't catch the eyes of these guys that had joined. And I was trying to introduce myself and I was like literally like squatting, trying to get my hand in for a handshake and just like it was I was a ghost. Like I was an invisible human being. They didn't want to meet me. And it wasn't like a moment, like it was like minutes of that. And eventually I just was like, I have to go to the washroom. And I was just like, well, <laughs> I guess my time being part of this conversation is over. And that sucked. And it like planted a pretty strong seed for me just being like, don't do that to people. <laughs> like that feels shitty. And so later on, I was at a show. Uh, it was pretty early on. There weren't a ton of people in the venue yet. So I was just going around kind of like introducing myself, being like, hey, thank you for coming. Like if we haven't met before. And I walked up to a group of um, like femme presenting individuals, introduced myself to them. And they were literally said, oh, we're not in a band. We're just, we're just like here. Like instead of being like, this is my name. I was like, oh, you've experienced this too. Like you just assume mm -hmm. since you don't have like a, oh, actually I'm in a band to say that you, you don't even deserve to get, like d no one wants to meet you. So you just hide in the corner for the whole night and support your friends. And that just was such a, and I said, I was like, oh man, I'm so sorry that like you think that's why, I, that's the only reason you're worth meeting is if you're like a networking opportunity. And so we like met and like shook hands and it was this like awkward, giggly, nice bonding thing. Um, but that's like really stuck with me. Just that, that feeling of not belonging just based on whether you have something to offer. Mm. And so I'm hoping that doesn't continue, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. I, I mean, I, I would never deign to understand what it's like to be a woman, cis or trans or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, but a, as a visible minority, um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've experienced some things too. And it's interesting, I wonder how much of it is attributed to, for example, local culture. It's just Calgary. Is it, you know, racism, sexism? Is it, um, is it how people are? I don't know. Like mm -hmm. the older I get... The less straight, you know, before when I was young, I could get angry about stuff and be like, well, that guy's this or this girl's that or whatever. But now, like, I'm watching my son grow up and some of these, like, gender roles are already being placed in kids that are, like, three or four years uh, old. yeah. And he says, my son, who, like, I mean, I'm wearing nail polish because he loves nail polish and stuff, but he's like, I asked him, you know, at school, like, who'd you play with? He says, now he doesn't play with any of the boys because all they want to do is run around, punch each other and, and do boy things. Mm. And he's like, I just want to like hang with people and have fun and like talk to people. Yeah. And the and the boys think that's weird. And I'm like, that's such a weird thing. Such a weird divide. Yeah. Right? Like uh, my assumption was always that comes, you know, in, in puberty or like in mm -hmm. tween, like once you get uh, sexual or something that it changed the context of the relationships. But watching my son now, it's something that's being imposed or maybe it's exists um, from a much earlier age than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's even creepy. Yeah, just walk into a toy store. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or a clothing store. I mean, yeah. even, uh, shit, I, I actually got upset uh, during pregnancy as my wife was doing all the hard work. But mm -hmm. um, you go into these uh, prenatal stores and 80% is these stupid 
pink princess dresses, and all the women、mm-hmm. get all excited about buying seventy、like, outfits for their unborn child.、Mm-hmm. And then the boys section, first of all, is like one shelf because、mm-hmm. boys don't have to; they just wear something blue.、Mm-hmm. And, have, and then secondly, it's like, why are we buying all this shit for a kid that doesn't exist yet?、Mm-hmm. But、uh, that's a whole other.、Um, <laughs> as Kyle has noted, I'm an anti-capitalist.、Uh, Sweet. Yeah. Kid clothes are weirdly expensive. Fucking not just that, but just weird in general. Yeah, yeah. and they go through them so quick. <laughs> you just throw them all out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't, yeah, no, we can't get、start. me started on that because、yeah. that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Kyle will have to get in here to calm me down、oh, and tell me that I need to be balanced. <laughs>、um, okay, so yeah, I wanted to bring that up. I guess just on a reflection of your experience. Getting into the industry, and then yeah, how do you form this band? So yes, so the the band members,、uh, we have Michael D'Souza on bass,、um, we have Andrew Ellergott on drums, and Jordan Mo on guitar.、Uh, originally, the the story goes that、uh, my theater company needed a band for a fundraiser. I offered myself. I was like, I can pull something together in whatever it was, like a week or ten days or something, until this fundraiser.、Um, And then panic texted、um, my friends and was like, "Hey, would you want to like collab on this project?、Um, here's the timeline." Everyone was like, "Whoa, okay,、uh, we can probably get together like a three-song set for that." I was like, "Sweet, exciting!"、Uh, and then we just like made it happen. Did this performance? It was wonderful. It was just a wonderful experience. And then.、Um, From there, I was like, "Hey, we should t- keep doing this," and it's like evolved since then. We we used to have a different drummer.、Um, he just helped with that one, that one show, and then Andrea got joined on. Once we were like, "Oh, let's take this seriously,"、um, but like those guys are amazing.、Uh, so Michael and Jordan are both in the project, the Ashley Hundred. Um, which was、uh, is a project that I love and have loved for a very long time,、um, and me- the members are all very close friends.、Um, and for a lot of my being a member of the music scene, not being a musician yet, phase, it was attending those shows and meeting people through those shows. And then they're also Michael is in like a thousand projects. He's a drummer and a bassist, and Jordan is also in a ton of projects. He has his own called Octoduck, where he fronts the project, writes the songs.、Um, I love Octoduck so much. Michael's in that. There's just so much cross- crossover. <laughs> Andrew has Andrew's Pale Horses is his project,、um, which is amazing as well. I had a brief stint as keyboard player、nice. in that until I realized I. I'm way too busy and stressed out.、Uh, <laughs> showing in your、uh, yeah. arpeggios.、No. Yes, true, <laughs> true.、Uh, and basically, I, I, I chose these guys because I love spending time with them. For one, and I like I knew all of them were incredibly talented because I'd watched the music that they'd created and I watched how they elevate the projects that they're in. Like I was like a fan girl of everything they've ever done. So I was like, yes, please also be my friend. <laughs> so they have they jumped on and they listened to my weird, emotionally driven direction. As in, like I'd be like, I want this to feel like this emotion instead of being like, I want this musical term to happen. So they haven't learned how to translate me into. <laughs> And throw their own flair onto everything, and it's awesome. And Future Womb is what it is because of that collaboration. I love that. I mean,、uh, so I guess the two questions that immediately pop up, you know, the songwriting process sounds like, you know, I love the idea of it being intuitive. I, I love the idea of it being、uh, more emotional than you know technical.、Um, but it also sounds like the band members input. A lot of interpretive elements、oh, as well. Oh, definitely, yeah.、Uh, so maybe we could spend a little bit of time in that, and then、sure. you can talk about. I mean, it makes more sense, Future Womb, but、uh, <laughs> the the name is kind of neat. Ah,、uh, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs>、um, but yeah, like、uh, maybe can give me a brief overview of the songwriting process.、Then. Sure, it's so fun. Every time I try to do this, it ends up. I I explain for so long, so I'm going to try and keep it brief.、Um, we got time. Kyle's just hanging <laughs> out. He's like on it. Yeah, he's good. We're good. Okay. It's just it's just rant. It's just the、uh, megabytes of data, no problem. <laughs> All right. Or gigabytes, depending on how long you actually want to go. But we'll be okay. We'll be okay. Okay. Well, 
So typically, there's like a singer-songwriter phase of every song. Um, so I'll, I'll write something, whether it's like a journal entry or a poem or just like a stream of consciousness note on my phone or I just think of a phrase while I'm walking to work or like there's always some sort of seed and then I'll just kind of pick away at it over time just lyrically um without even like melody to those lyrics just some sort of rhythm um when I have something I'm happy with then I'll try and sort out something musically to suit it whether ukulele or synth depending on what kind of feeling I have in my head about it it's usually like a I don't know like what kind of tension this song holds in my body I try to express that musically just a quick interruption do you think that that tension feeling remains within the lyrics or does it actually get affected like how you're feeling in the day or some somebody calls you an asshole in the morning oh. and it changes the way the lyrics form or? for sure the okay. songs are definitely a little like time capsules mm. um which like sidebar makes releasing them many years after writing them so strange because i want to pay like pay homage to that moment and honor it but then and not judge it but i've evolved away from it so there's a lot of the songs even on this record that I'm like I really really truly believed those lyrics that I'm singing and now I feel differently mm. about it but it's still going to be the first time a lot of people are going to hear these songs so that's an interesting songwriting thing um do, do you think that uh, I keep interrupting do you think that affects how you perform it uh it I try to depending on the day either channel whatever the day is through that song just because it keeps it fresh as well. It keeps it honest. Um, but if there's not something in like immediately that I can pull from, then I, I have many other days where I have done that, that I can draw upon or the original, like the original experience is always going to be like important and have some sort of visceral feeling for me that I can draw upon. It's just not necessarily happening in the, like the emotional arc isn't happening in the moment, but like, I'm also an actor, so I have some training to still do that, even if I don't have it in the moment. So depending on the show, depending on what I think I want to offer, that's go between the two. That's cool. Um, okay, so we were at Headspace, uh, Tension. Songwriting, songwriting. music writing. No. Um, usually the, the music writing part takes me longer than the lyric writing part. Um, melodies... I typically improvise until something sticks and usually what sticks has some sort of pop sensibility because it gets stuck in my head and that's how it sticks. So <laughs> I pop myself <laughs> a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of pop in my brain. Um, but then once I'm happy with the, the solo version, I'll try and workshop that a bunch and get an idea of the the emotional moments that I want to exist within the song. Typically, there's like little vignettes within the song. Like if I look at like Eat It Up, the, the first single, it doesn't follow a, like a classic verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, whatever um, pop structure. It's basically just like verse, 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 verse for the first 50%. And then there's like a pre-chorus, chorus, bridge, pre-chorus, chorus, bridge end or something like i, I wish don't... we had a video of uh, people see shrugging yeah. going like i don't fucking know it just happened it's like it's just, i don't know what it is but i know that the first chunk has a certain is telling a certain story and has a certain tone as far as like from the storyteller perspective and then the other three little chunks that repeat each one of those is capturing a different idea or perspective on the overall idea that which is basically the first line of the song which is like i don't know how to be in love without offering everything i have the rest of the song just extrapolates and explains that idea for the most part oh man went off on a bit of a tangent um okay i'll use i'll continue sticking to the song while i explain the rest of the songwriting process so i would basically write out all those ideas and moments that i want to communicate um and then my idea of how we can do that 
which is generally pretty vague. It'd be like, I want this part to be like halftime. I want this part to have like a like a cheesy disco vibe because I think it's a nice contrast with the words that are being spoken. Or like, I want this part to have a dissonant noise so that it's uncomfortable for the audience to hear. Or like, I'll, I'll just think of these moments and then the rest of collaborating with the guys is giving them like enough, <laughs> basically enough direction where they, I see something like click or like, it seems like they're not, just looking at me for more anymore <laughs> and they have some sort of idea um and then i want to like nurture that and sort of give guidance but as minimal guidance as possible so that their voice can come through in their parts i think a lot of this comes from my theater training i'm in a theater collective called the major matt mason theater collective um and the most enjoyable theater creation experiences i've had have been um, either in the 10 Minute Play Festival, which is a high performance rodeo theater festival thing. And it's basically you get 24 hours to make a 10 minute play based on like a quote, a prop and maybe a location or some other element. Damn. And it's just a whole lot of like, just, yes, that idea. Now let's go. Yes, that idea. Uh, let's just make it all somehow work. Let's mash it all together and find some sort of through line and just mess around and see what comes of it. And that style of creation of like throwing out ideas and just rolling with it until it cannot be rolled with anymore is just so exciting to me and that collaborative nature and just seeing where people go and they're given like okay more like that sort of direction you know i like about that too kind of going back to my earlier thought uh with using the word work is uh something like that forces you into action you have to get out of your head. You can't just sit there and be like, well, these are the, you know, like I'm so smart mm -hmm. and it's going to be like, you actually have to just go and fucking write it down and mm -hmm. be like, okay, we act it out. Like, okay, that was shit. We got to do the next one and like build a narrative because 24 hours to do a 10 minute play is insane. That's like, that's <laughs> like real sleep. work. Yeah, you can't. It's so cool. It is so fun. And I, I often think that like, like sometimes your first idea isn't your best idea, but I love seeing how far you can go with the first idea or like like your impulse being like i don't know why that was my impulse like it's like don't don't question it just like just see where it goes and then like obviously if it sucks and then you abandon it like whatever no big deal no judgment but it's just exciting to go with something that just flows out of you and yeah see how far it can go and that's one of the things that i just absolutely love about collaborating with these guys is I'll just babble something about being like, I want to feel this when I hear this part. And also uh, this, I listened to this song this one time and it made me feel this and it was kind of an example, but I don't want it to sound like that. I just want it to feel like that. And they'll be like, oh, okay. And I'll be like, oh, it's D minor seven. And they'll be like, okay. And then they'll just be like, Ugh, and do it. And they'll be like, I don't know what I want to do. And then they'll do something amazing like immediately afterwards i'm like what like that's like your first you don't know throwaway idea that's amazing like you guys are geniuses the, the sigh was crucial there it was yeah. amazing <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh god michaela fuck well how about this you're like holy fuck yeah. exactly yeah. Right. yeah we had a, a moment the other day we were workshopping uh song cycle which is the first song on the album and it's one that taylor and i created in studio so we didn't have a live version it's the only song that we've made like this where first we made the studio version and now we're interpreting it for a stage version and i think there was there was a point in our jam where both michael and andrew were like uh, uh like the uh, like this and it was they're acting as if they're going to have like the worst idea and both of them i was like what yes yes that like absolutely yes that that's amazing and i just feel like that needs to be nurtured more it's cool in, like in all artists just be like yeah those those ideas that are yours that you think are dumb like you should you should they're not dumb unleash them on the world yeah <laughs> i've written like 16 notes but kyle has given me the five minute signal oh fucking prick no no that's not nice no. yeah he's so bossy no. right he's so controlling we need that um, those people in our lives 
So number one, I think I got to get you back so we can continue to expound about this mm -hmm. uh, if if you're well if totally. you want to. Uh, I love the idea of how you're approaching your music writing process. It's cool. I'm, I'm vibing with it. It's it sounds important, and I hope that it works uh, commercially so that you can That'd keep be doing. Sweet. It. Yeah, 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 I would love that. But speaking of commercially. Um, <laughs> So talk to me about what's happening next. Yeah. Um, well, as of today, we have one single released, Eat It Up. It's on Spotify. Uh, it's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. It's on iTunes. It's on this thing called Deezer. It's on all sorts of things that I've never heard of, but that apparently you're supposed to be on. So I'm on all <laughs> those things. Um, and uh, coming up on March 15th, we will be releasing our second single, which is called Kill Kitty Kill, um, which is uh, hopefully a contrasting song for people from Eat It Up, just to give everyone kind of an idea of the various sounds that Baby Girl Galactic has to offer. Um, Baby Girl Galactic will be released April 19th at the Palomino. I guess before that, we're playing uh, at the Palomino again, uh, March 22nd with 36, which is my brother Taylor's project. They're releasing um, the album that they've been working on for ages and ages called Milk Mountain. Um, it's really, really good. And I'm really stoked to be playing this. We're also, the Witch Victim is also playing that show. But yeah, that and that is like, we'll have released Kill Kitty Kill and then the following week have that show. So it's like a little bit going to be our celebration of that release as well but yeah. you excited i am it's i have so crazy much, i have so much work to do i have to remember to be excited because i know this is temporary <laughs> I like... yeah you gotta you gotta enjoy the moments yeah um just all right quick question so we talked a little bit in the pre-meeting about this you know the culture of music is to be up at two in the morning and mm. to play these you know i'm not gonna say dingy bars dingy bars but like bars and mm -hmm. and venues but if you could i mean what's your ideal venue where do you want to be performing like what is it oh. that you want to kind of aspire to let's say future womb blows up and you actually get to connect to to uh, to an audience um what's your ideal venue like is it not, is it still like a, whether it's an arena or is it still an 11, 8 PM show, you know, in the middle of the night? You know, what's crazy is I've not thought about this mm. at all. I've, <laughs> I'm like, how have I not thought about this? Um, I love the intimacy of the bar shows that I've played. Um, I mean, I would love to have every experience available. So if that means like like if I got to like play the like Jubilee or something, that'd be sick. I would do that. If I got to play like some weird private gig with only like fifteen very attentive humans, I would do that. I I don't know. I think my goal is to just have it, as many experiences as possible and as many like unexpected weird ones as possible <laughs> number one idea is to be a petulant child because we definitely ran more than five minutes yeah. so fuck you kyle <laughs> oh my God. goddamn rules i uh, know but uh you know, on a more serious oh this is why you should have a mic so you can tell me to fuck off uh <laughs> is uh i'm starting to get into the gallery world and all i can think about like, having listened to your first track is like us setting up a show in an art gallery mm. i think that'd be pretty slick but we'll, yeah we'll talk We'll talk. Um, okay. Uh, I think that's it. I feel like I just, I want to stretch this out for like another five minutes just to be a dick. Um, oh but Kyle's looking like he's not laughing about it anymore. So, oh, oh no. his arms are crossed. Shit. Okay. I might be in trouble now. <laughs> we should listen to his body language. <laughs> well, I always listen to his body language. I just often disregard. Okay. Okay. No, I, we better go. Um, so, Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you for having me. Um, how, what do you feel about, uh, you know, we'll talk to Kyle about doing a performance there or, mm. or should we try it next time or? Um, yeah, well, let's see when next time is okay. and how it lines up with stuff. That's really about it for me. Uh, I wish you luck on the single and the EP or uh, album release. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd love to talk to your brother one day about yeah. what he's doing because it sounds like, you know, a lot of cool projects that are coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, Kyle's becoming a monster sort of music aficionado. So <laughs> I think anything we can do to get more cool bands in here, I think is going to be 
worth it. Um, or writing the articles for the magazine about your experience doing this mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, cool. Otherwise, um, thank you. You're thank awesome. You. Thank you for having <laughs> me. <laughs> cool. This podcast has been brought to you by Media Lab YYC. Kyle Marshall runs this amazing little outfit here in downtown Calgary. Um, And we wanted to say this. Here at Media Lab YYC, we help you share your stories with the public. Video, audio, business, personal. Let us help you take your idea to the finish line.